Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. In the interest of time, uh, and everybody has about two minutes or less, I want to just kind of do this quickly because I don't want us to miss certain areas. Latasha, you first. I'd like for you to talk about what Joe Biden needs to do if anything, he can do to protect us from voter suppression from these uh, Republican legislatures and states. If you could do that. Dr. Julian Malvo, after that, if you could address, he said a lot of, he used the word jobs probably more than any other state of the union we've heard, jobs, jobs, jobs. What he has to do there, is he doing enough for us? Bill Fletcher, what should be, Cornell talked about foreign policy. You address foreign policy, what he needs to do. And then finally, Dr. Carr, um, what we expect of him when it comes to reparations. Latasha, go first, please, on voter suppression. Okay, one, thank you for, um, for that question. This conversation is so nuanced. Um, I am uh, just so, it's so rich. You know, even, even in that space, I do want to share that part of the reason why we, with Black Voters Matter, we do the work that doesn't just center an individual because what it also does is we can get caught up in literally marginalizing the progress that we are creating, the reimagining that we're creating. And so I think it's really important for us to keep that um, at the forefront as, as well is what did um, movement deliver. But in this context of Biden, you know, in this hundred this hundred days, you know, one of the pieces that I do think, you know, um, I would have I would like to see far more movement on that. All, we can talk about policy all day long. We can talk about whatever it is, those things that we want. But if the foundation of we do not have access to the ballot, right, we will not ever, there will, we won't see the kind of policies that we want. And so I think part of what we've got to really think about and push him on is the end of this filibuster. The truth of the matter is we gave him the best possible circumstances to govern. We delivered literally the, the, the we delivered the office to him, right, but we also delivered these two sentences 
seats in a quote southern deep southern state that is known in spite of the voter suppression right and in those conditions here we are getting attacked in terms of voting suppression all around the country there are 47 states right now there were 243 bills that are actually attacking voter suppression that are targeted at black voters and so it's not just enough to have an executive order around voting that we know does not have the power or authority to really be able to give access to the ballot but what we what we're going to have to have is we're going to have to have hr1 hr4 both of those passed in the senate and part of what i think we'll never be able to get that done as well as some of the other progressive legislation if we don't push for the end of the filibuster. And he's actually been resistant to that. That's one of the areas that I think that he fails in, that he has to be pushed around. We gave you the best possible circumstances to govern, now govern. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Malvo, jobs, employment. All the jobs numbers look better than they did in November, December, January. It's a, resu a result of the infusion of the COVID, of the stimulus money, the fact that cities and states are getting some money, which means we didn't have to lay off. States and cities were thinking that they were going to have to lay off police officers, teachers, others. So that didn't happen. So from a job's perspective, at the macro level, everything looks great. Now, if we drill down to the micro level, what we find is that some communities, this, is a, this may be the only time in employment history where the Black unemployment rate is not twice that of whites, but that's only because the white rate has gone up so high. Now it's going back down, but historically the black rate is always two to one. So we still need targeting and we need targeting for black women, especially not, kick, not kicking the brothers to the curb, but so many women have basically dropped out of the labor market. President Biden's infrastructure bill, if he does it the way that Joe Manchin and those like want to do it, traditional infrastructure, that, that those jobs are heavily weighed toward men. The CARES bill, which he has in there with some teachers, um, childcare, elder care, that, those occupations are basically tilted toward women. But um, he's gonna have to fight with Manchin, or as Latasha says, get rid of the filibuster. I don't know what his resistance to getting rid of the filibuster is, but he is definitely very resistant to it. So the CARES economy, uh, there are all kinds of people who've talked about why it's so important, and it's important for productivity as well. We know that women represent nearly 50% of the labor force. Right, right. And right. so if you put, if you don't deal with women, what we've done is we've set women back a full generation. We've not seen women's labor force participation rates this low since the 80s. Right. right. And so that's that's one of the so he there's a lot more he can do, but this, especially as around targeting. And um, I will say something about reparations, but I think you asked Brother Carr to do yeah, that. Yeah, I may ask Brother Carr uh, to say about it. I, I did read statistics that said Black women have lost more jobs since the pandemic than any other group of people, um, including all these so-called hospitality workers, which aren't, many of them aren't Black women, but still somehow Black women have lost more jobs. Um, Bill Fletcher, foreign policy, we haven't touched on that. Cornell mentioned it. Um, not a whole lot about foreign policy last night, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, there you wasn't met. very much except on China. Um, and, and so um, I think that Cornell uh, was correct that it's um, actually a very interesting and mixed bag. Uh, the, uh, uh, that there's been the return to the Paris uh, uh, environmental accords. Uh, there's at least some negotiations that seem to be going on with Iran to restore the, the nuclear treaty um, and, uh, and the uh, Yemen, uh, absolutely. 
But I think that there's also this consistency that needs to be broken and it won't be broken unless there's pressure. So for example, uh, uh, Biden has yet to uh, renounce Trump's giveaway to the Moroccans of the Western Sahara. Uh, he uh, continues to have a very strong stand uh, in support of the Israelis, uh, although uh, Netanyahu and others are somewhat fearful of uh, the position that, that Biden's taking. Haiti is in a, a virtual civil war and there's almost no attention uh, from the administration to that. And most of the attention from the United States to Haiti is completely negative. And then of course, there's the issue of China. The only one of the good things about last night and references to China was a less military, military uh, approach and more this emphasis on competition. But what we gotta understand is that the situation there is incendiary between the US and the Chinese and any mistake and this thing could blow up big time. Finally, two other things. One is that correct on, uh, uh, on the issue of migration to the United States and talking about the reasons people come. What's missing, of course, is the recognition that the United States has destabilized countries in Central America and the Caribbean leading to migration. And finally, that Africa is not a military question mark. Uh, that, that, that US relationship to Africa cannot be advanced by thinking through the lens of uh, a sniper's scope. All right, thank you, Bill, right on time. And just acknowledge in terms of the immigration and these other countries, he has put the, the, the black queen in charge of that. Uh, yes. Vice president is over that. So that's very interesting as well. And we need to see how that plays out. Lastly, in terms of this group, and then we'll come to you, Dr. Bay, uh, Dr. Carr, um, reparations. Um, um, what do we expect from him on that? If the Senate, if the House passes HR 40 and the Senate doesn't, Greg, we need him to do HR 40 by executive order, don't we? And no compromise on that. Just said it, brother. That's the conversation we've had all along. It's very simple. Uh, if and when the uh, Senate doesn't pass HR 40, and we haven't given up on that. Although, of course, it is Chuck Schumer's job to get Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema in line. He, they're, they're the ones going to have to end the filibuster. It won't be Joe Biden, although Biden obviously is the leader of the party. Yeah, he's got to do that executive order, and it needs to be word for word, chapter and verse, what H.R. 40 is. We don't need anybody coming in our left field, whether it be my friend Professor Darity or anybody else trying to get in the ear of the administration and hijack that momentum. So, yes, and I also think that, uh, and we see this, I think this goes back to what Cornell, I agree with Cornell, but for different reasons, I think. I think Biden has learned from the mistakes of the Obama administration. Uh, and I think one of the mistakes was you don't go out there and sell the things to the people that you have done. So if you look at the five injury areas that Encobra has put together in the area of peoplehood and nationhood, Biden ain't got nothing to do with that. I agree with our young folk. You know, we are the ones who are forcing him into glory. He's not, he didn't, you know, he didn't have anything to do with that. But in terms of education, when you start talking about free community college, you need to say, put that in a reparations context. When you start talking about pre-K and pre-K the three-year-old above going to school universally, you need to put that in there. When it comes to healthcare, the expansion of Medicaid, Georgia is poised to do that. Latosha knows this, but Latosha knows this better than anybody. Then now the question is, can you force the governor to do it? But Biden needs to go out there and say, this is part of a reparations agenda, making sure that healthcare is there. Black women, when you start talking about um, 
paid family leave and you start talking about universal uh, preschool, these are, if you get that at $15 an hour, these are jobs, as Bill Spriggs says, rather than going to work at Amazon in Bessemer, Alabama, you go work in childcare and you know where your childcare is coming from because you got a tax credit that has been proposed. All these things to my brother, friend, brother, Dr. Umar, who never seems to understand the fine, the, the, the fine points of policy and can make sound bites with Charlemagne, but never get to the point of actually grappling with the reality in which we live. We have to understand in criminal punishment, finally, I'll end with this, the George Floyd Act isn't enough, but it is a step. He's got to push and get that through. And finally, in terms of wealth and poverty, what we understand is that when you look at this uh, American jobs plan, when you start talking about green jobs, when you start talking about clean drinking water, last I checked, the people in Flint are black. So if you're going to replace all the pipes in the damn country, that's going to help black people. Some of that language needs to find its way into the Biden stump speech as part, not reparations, but something that is a little bit more than reform. In fact, it's gesturing toward repair. Nikichi has you, Ife. Yeah, so, no, 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 Dr. Dr. Malba, I'm sorry. It's a, regular, no. wait, it's a very short point. I just need to disagree with Greg. Good public policy is not reparations. So, but we never, well, that's true. We should, we should. Good public policy is not reparations. <laughs> Public, public policy, it's not reparations. That's, that's why I said it wasn't reparations language. It has to be stronger than reform, though. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, I wanted to get to reparations later if we have a moment, but I want to bring in Dr. Ife Williams. I want to bring in Jamika, uh, Jamicia Gray, and I want to bring um, uh, Reverend Mike back out. So Dr. Ife, you know, someone mentioned this noise point. Someone mentioned that uh, Biden was flanked by a female Vice President, quite by a female uh, speaker. We all know that uh, it was black women that put him in office in the first place. I want to hear your take on that with respect to women. Then I want um, Jamika to talk about vision for black lives and the breathe that and where that fits into all of this. And with respect to um, uh, uh, Pastor uh, Mike, <clears throat> I know you have a lot to do with the issue of guns and i know we talk about defund um uh, the police i want to ask you about how about the gun the gun the police and i say that because since they don't seem to know the difference between a taser and a gun since they don't understand just what deadly force is about maybe we need to just take their guns away so uh uh dr ife you first thank you very much uh, I don't mind ever when Dr. Carr speaks before me because I know he's going to say most of the things that I wanted to say in all of his brilliance. But I want to say that uh, we need to begin to think about not just what we want, but what other people want. And Dr. Carr mentioned it. We need to make sure that workers get that minimum wage because that means a lot of black women. I, my mom transitioned just a little while ago, and it was very, very difficult for us to get home health care. And the reason being is that these women get paid something like $7 or $7.50 an hour. We need to be thinking about them because there's so many of them out there. And so we need to certainly think that $15 an hour or more, that's one of our issues. Uh, Dick Gregory was a good friend, and he, he always uh, taught me that we needed to speak for people who cannot speak for themselves. All the other issues were good. I enjoyed them. I had most of them on my list. But let's not forget the women who cannot speak for themselves. We have also our children. Our children need to be back in school. I have to talk about what women are really concerned about. 
that, that was nice to have Kamala and to have uh, Pelosi up there behind uh, Mr. Biden last night. But that's just two women. We need to think about other women who can't sit there by him. And we need to look out for them. Any day we look at television, we see generally a black mother there grieving and crying over her child shot by a police officer. We want to, you know, be able to do something about that. We want to certainly call reimagining policing instead of talking about defunding it. I mean, it's fine if you want to do that, but we need to be told, what do we want it to look like? Let's not spend all our time being critical. Let's spend our time, like Mr. Biden said the other night, if you got something better, then put it out there. But don't just expect everybody else to decide what we need while we're just fussing with one another and talking about each other, taking up all the time doing this and that. Just because you talk the loudest doesn't mean you're doing the most work. When my mom didn't, um, you know, we couldn't get the home health care for her. What I did was call up the people in charge of it. And at first, of course, they said, well, you know, we are working on requests back all the way back to 2011. I said to them, mm -mm, well, there's something you need to do. You need to check your list back to 2011 because most of those people, if they've needed help that long, they're dead now. In a couple of weeks, my mom was moved up to number one. Hey, folks, have you had a chance to check out the All Revved Up podcast? It's a new podcast distributed by GBH. It explores the intersections of faith, politics, and culture bi-weekly, hosted by our friend, the Reverend Irene Monroe and the Reverend Emmett G. Price III. Now, both of these ministers hail from different black faith perspectives, different generations, different parts of the country, and even different sexual orientations, but they still come together to talk about the issues of the day. They just do it in a different way. We know you'll enjoy it. Listen to All Revved Up wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after these messages on MIP. Tremisha, so Movement for Black Lives has been talking about doing stuff. Talk to us about Breathe Act, Vision for Black Lives. How does all that fit within this conversation? Yeah, I think I think I should be very clear that movement for Black Lives is actually against the Justice and Policing Act, right? Because we have the Breathe Act, which we think is more holistic and more inclusive. When we look at the Justice and Policing Act, it actually gives more money to police. If we're going to reimagine public safety, then that means we need to divest from these institutions that were never meant or intended to protect and serve Black people, right? And so with the Breathe Act, we're doing just that. We're divesting from the federal grants and agencies that are primarily funding law enforcement. And in doing so, it also funds the carceral state, right? And so the BREATHE Act is what we're pushing for, right? Black people shouldn't have to settle and we shouldn't have to settle, right? If there is a bill or an act being pushed by black people, written by black people, because we are the ones closest to the issue who feels the pressure, I think it should be a no brainer that that is what we should be doing. We should be pushing the Breathe Act, right? We shouldn't be pushing for the Justice in a Policing Act. And not only that, I'm gonna just point out a few more reasons why we are anti the Justice and Policing Act, right? It's reliant on the perpetrators. It's relying on law enforcement to actually fix the issue of policing. And if law enforcement knew what to do or had any intentions of fixing their issues, it will be done by now, right? If we wouldn't have seen uh, young Micaiah Bryant 
being shot down, right? We would not have had the fallout of Adam Toledo once that footage was released, right? We had several people, several black folks get gunned down after the Chauvin verdict was announced, right? And so leaving that in the hands of the perpetrators doesn't make sense to me. It shouldn't make sense to any of us. If Black people are saying this is what we need in terms of criminal justice reform, then this is what we should be pushing. And the one last thing I'll say about the Breathe Act is that we actually build and push for real accountability inside of that. Check. Checkmate. Pastor Mike McBride, following along with those lines, as we talk about gun violence, which I know you have a lot to do uh, about to speak to us about that, but also put in there what I said about what about de-gunning the police? What do you, you know, bring that into the conversation too? So I I certainly believe that we must indeed um, de-gun the police. That would be an amazing accomplishment. And we uh, can de-gun the police in many different ways. Um, I, I believe uh, Mayor Baraka has led in a powerful way in Newark through the, through the demonstration or the results of their police agency not firing a weapon in a whole year. What that shows us is there are ways to put uh, safeguards, incentives, and dare I say consequences in place to make sure police officers do not use their weapons even when they are carrying out policing services in communities where we have not uh, gotten the consensus to rise to the defund the police level. But I wanna say a quick word about defund the police, abolish the police, all of these kinds of uh, slogans and organizing platforms of which I endorse. We must remember that the black community is not monolithic. We have several factions or uh, factions wrong where we have several constituencies within the black community. Black elders who are literally living in a war zone do not want defund the police to happen until their child gets harmed by the police. Now, we have to expand the conversation around public safety, community-based public safety. We who talk about defund the police must have a concrete solution to the issue of interpersonal and intracommunal violence, which we do. Those solutions are literally birthed out of the work of people like Erica Ford and Life Camp in New York, uh, Jeff Brown out of Boston, uh, David Muhammad and Devon Bogan in the Bay Area, uh, many others across the country who are using street outreach workers, violence interrupters, public health approaches to help us scale this up. We must mainstream these ideas and we must use the five billion dollars again that has been set aside in this in this Biden administration and the 10 billion dollars that have been set aside within the 25 programs to scale these solutions up we can't just say defund the police without a concrete alternative to public safety that our people can organize and rally around and over the next couple of months we plan to do a fund peace uh, pop-up in about 20 cities across the country. We're coming to a city near you to make this very apparent to as many of us uh, who are seeking for some alternatives. All right, folks, we have under eight minutes left in this panel discussion. So why don't we do this? We have eight panelists. We're going to do a rapid round, 45 seconds to a minute, closing thoughts. Uh, and this is, this. Dr. Daniel says this is a report card. We're not following what he asked us to do. 
Let's give him a grade for these first hundred days when it comes to black people, when it comes to our people. Let's grade Joe Biden right now. I'm going to call on everyone. 45 seconds to a minute. Shakima, turn your mic on. I want Because you're watching the clock. I want you to come in and tell people when their time is up. Just say time. 45 seconds to a minute. Uh, let's start with Bill Fletcher. Grade 45 minute. I mean, 45 second closing. So I can't get away with saying incomplete, huh? Yeah, that's great. That's great. You can, take then that. That's, that's what I would say. I, I have been pleased uh, with a lot in terms of domestic policy, um, but I feel uh, that this is, a, this is incomplete and I'm not ready to give more than that as a grade. All right. Uh, Latasha, you still there? We'll come back. Dr. Carr. I would say he gives, he gives grades all the time anyway. So yeah, fortunately, right uh, on the curve called America, which means you can never give a true grade in this white national settler project. I would say C plus. Um, in other words, Biden is trying to drag the country back to some sense of uh, uh, even keel. And that's not going to necessarily be possible because who's taking the test really is the project called America. I don't expect the country will last much longer. White nationalism is going is always been the death nail of America. Only question was how long it's going to have to live. What Biden is trying to do is knit together uh, people who have never been a country. And in order to do it, he's trying to use public resources to do it. All right. uh, so far, he's better than most that have preceded him. But yeah, I say C plus. All right, 45 I'm seconds. Dr. Carr. All right, 45 seconds. Latasha Brown, let's give him a grade. This is a report card. First 100 days. Give him a grade and 45 second closing statement. I'm going to give him a grade at, at, at the school uh, that I teach at, and that's pass or fail. So I'm going to give him a pass this 100 years. We're not quite ready to give him an actual letter grade, but he gets a pass for these this first 100 days. All right. Uh, another professor, she gives grades, Dr. Julianne Malvo. Grade, 45 second closing. Okay. I think I would give him an incomplete or an incomplete plus if that was such a grade. In other words, he's moving in the right direction but he has to done the work that needs to be done. There's so many things uh, that need to be done and um, he just hasn't done it. So incomplete plus. All right, Dr. Ife Williams, grade 45 seconds closing. I'm, I'm a former teacher, so I grade on the curve and because of his challenges, I'm gonna give him a, an A minus. All right, very generous then. All right then, Ad <laughs> Dorian, grade 45 seconds. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the sister who said incomplete. Um, I, I believe that representation alone is not liberation. So we have to continue to hold him to task. We have to hold our local officials to task. And we're going to see what he gets done from here. So we got to invest in our young people, invest in ourselves. Um, right now, he's at an incomplete, but who's to say where he'll be in the next 100 days? Jamesia, grade 45 second closing. Yeah, I'm going to say a C minus because you can pass with a C minus. You're doing the bare minimum. And I am excited <laughs> for the next 100 to see what he does. Check. All right. Kalisha Wingfield Hill, grade 45 second close. I'm going to have to agree with the sister. I would give uh, President Biden a C. Um, he has some ways to go, but he's definitely done some of the things he promised us um, coming into office. So um, President Biden gets a great C from me. All right. And Pastor Mike, last but not least, grade 45 second close. I, I will echo Natasha's uh, uh, rubric. I will give him a pass. Um, I do believe the consequential nature of uh, this American Rescue Plan, uh, American Jobs Plan, 
both of these pieces of legislation have targeted um, and discretionary funds that can literally flow to black communities. Obviously, we must organize around them and ensure they hit our folk. Uh, the pieces around gun violence, things I've been organizing around for the last 10 years, uh, this president has shown up on those with concrete investments. Um, no other president in my history of organizing has done this much around the what I believe is one of the most singular issues, the loss of black boys and men uh, every night in our communities across the country. So I'll give them a pass and uh, hope we can get more done. Uh, lastly, yay and nay. Don't we need to see the black woman we fought to get in the White House more visibly and more involved and in more of a decision-making role? Don't we need to see that too? Yay or nay? Yay. Okay, everybody agree with that? All right. Yes. So let Thank me you all. say one thing since we have one minute left, if we can, because Mark, you should give your grade and I'm going to give mine right now and then we're going to turn it over to Dr. D uh, to bring on our, our, our celebrated closing uh, speaker. But I say before Biden gets a grade, he needs to do an internship. He needs to do an internship with the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America and the National Commission of, 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 of Natural African American Reparations Commission. He needs to do an internship so he can learn the ins and outs of reparations and reparatory justice. And after he does that, then I want to see what he does, and then I will give him his grade. Thank you to all the panelists. Thank you to Nikichi Taifa, Dr. Williams, Dr. Fletcher, Dr. Carr, Dr. Brown, Dr. Murray Thomas, Dr. Malvo. Pastor Dr. Mike, Dr. Gray, Dr. Hill, all of you, we so, so appreciate you. People are commenting everywhere about what a great panel this is. Um, uh, everybody, I'm getting texts from all over the world, people watching this, seriously. So no, you all are beautiful and great. And let's all stay together and continue to work. Thank you, Dr. Daniels, for gathering us. Thank you, Baba. Thank you, Baba. Mark, what's your grade? Before you pass a mic, what's your grade? <laughs> I, I, I think diplomatically I'd say an incomplete uh, uh, also I think that's although I will say this I am I think we all he's doing more than I think any of us expected I will say that uh, but there's still much more that needs to be done um, and I think we all have to be optimistically cautious you know because this stuff shifts every every single day um, and He's got to get this filibuster ended. He's got to do HR 40 by um, executive order. I mean, there's still a lot of things uh, to be done that that you know we can't compromise. And he's got to flex some muscle and do whatever needs to be done to twist Joe Manchin and, and Christian Sinema's arms. And that's what presidents are really for. People want to say, I'm, I'm going to be like LBJ and FDR. Well, LBJ and FDR wouldn't let them run him the way they running him. They would lean on him, or lean on the two of them. So that's what he has to do. So I'll say incomplete until he gets all that done. More MIP after this message. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, throughout uh, the world. Let's give a resounding virtual applause to our moderators, to our panelists. What an incredible conversation that we we've had. <laughs> wonderful. 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 <laughs> Well, folks, I, I get a little bit emotional when I am in the company of the two most progressive mayors in the nation. I said that earlier, not just black America, these mayors are in my judgment, the two most progressive mayors we have. That is Raj J. Baraka, uh, Raj J. Baraka, I keep messing that up, and the Honorable Chokwe Antar Lumumba. 
And I say that because, uh, and, and, and Reverend Mark referenced this, I work with both of them, the fathers. I work with both of the fathers. And I can remember when Mayor Barack was running for office, uh, Mayor Lumumba was kind enough to come up to Newark to do a fundraiser. And I had the privilege, and I got to get that uh, picture. Brother Ranasi, you probably out there. And I stood between Raj J. Baraka and Chokwe Antar Lumumba, Lumumba. And that was just a very moving experience because you know I have such deep history uh, with both uh, of the fathers with whom I worked in the Black Liberation Movement, uh, and 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 so I'm just you know it, I'm just filled with emotion uh, when I think of of, uh, of these two giants and the sons, the progeny that have produced that have been produced that are still fighting to free the land and move the Black Liberation struggle forward inside of the political process and transforming that political process as they move. So I am now delighted uh, that, I, that uh, Mayor Chokwe Antal Mumba is here. He took time out of his very busy schedule. He's managing a human, a man-made disaster. And as um, Professor Carly now, then he's got a white nationalist governor to contend with. So he's, he's really, really having major, major challenges and yet, as we see in the church, he thought he we, he thought it not robbery to come and spend some time with us this evening. It's my honor now to introduce the Honorable Chokwe uh, Antar Lumumba to uh, give us his response and his perspective on the issue of President Biden the first 100 days. Uh, my brother, you have the floor. First, let me begin by saying free to land, uh, and and it is a pleasure uh, to to be a part of this discussion. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion uh, that just took place. Uh, not only am I grateful to have been invited uh, to this, this panel discussion and, and to provide some level of perspective, uh, but, but I feel that I, I may have robbed you, uh, the panelists, a bit uh, because I would have paid to listen to that, that conversation. Uh, and, and I don't know uh, if, I've, if I've personally witnessed um, a stronger panel of, of, uh, of strong progressive thought uh, in a very long time, and so I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, there, are, there are a few things, and, and just to start off, uh, if I'm required to give a grade, uh, th then I would give the grade of incomplete as well. Uh, I would give a grade of incomplete while there has been uh, some, some movement to take place on a number of issues. Uh, I think that, that first and foremost, we have to take consideration of the full history of the individual holding the office. Uh, and far more of his history uh, has not been in the progressive lens as what we are seeing uh, today. Furthermore, I think that uh, it was stated uh, by one of the panelists, and forgive me for not really recalling uh, who made the statement, uh, we have to give ourselves some credit. We have to give uh, the organizing that has taken place. Uh, but for that organizing, we wouldn't be in a place where we would be having conversations uh, about uh, defunding the police. We would not be in a place where we would be having a conversation uh, about getting necessary resources into communities that look like ours, communities that have faced cycles of humiliation, communities uh, that have faced this history of racism, uh, contrary to, to what uh, our friend Tim Scott uh, believes. Uh, the reality is racism is as American as apple pie, uh, and we have not made a left turn or a wrong turn into uh, some racist society. It was built on that foundation. Uh, I remember my brother 
uh, Ibram X. Kendi in his book, Stamp from the Beginning, where he talks about the history of racism in this country. I would suggest that, uh, that book to Senator Scott, uh, where it talks about uh, where, where it talks about how Jefferson uh, uh, Thomas, I mean Jefferson Davis, uh, was was you know in a discussion at the U.S. legislature and and arguing over abolitionist language, and he said America was built by white men uh, for white men, and it was stamped from the beginning that it would be so. Uh, and so you know I think that that if we're honest about our pursuits of of a better society, a, a society beyond contradiction then we have to be honest about where we are and where we've been. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that conversation. Uh, but I wanna take it uh, slightly in a, in a different direction. Uh, and, and that is really less about the discussion of the office. And I, I get what we're here for and, and, and I've given my grade, uh, but I think that we have to lift up this portion of the conversation. Uh, I think my father, uh, I, I once listened to him give a beautiful analysis uh, at the after the election of Barack Obama, uh, and and in terms of seminal victories, in terms of you know when I think of my grandmother and and all of the things that she experienced and my my grandfather, you know I, I understand uh, the joy that they felt at that time uh, to to be able to see that. Uh, but you know I think we need to be reminded that Barack Obama didn't didn't do any more or any lo less than what he told us he was going to do, right? He never told us he was going to liberate black people, right? He never told us that he was going to bring forth reparations, right? Uh, and, and partly uh, who's, at, who's at fault is us, right? We are the ones at fault because we didn't hold him accountable uh, to the things that we are now speaking of today. Uh, I think of the words of our sister, uh, our, our sister, and, and I'm forgetting, uh, Ruha Benjamin, who said that we must not only be the most active participants in dismantling the world we don't want to live in, we have to be the most active participants in building the one we do. Uh, and so it is clear and it is easy to give an analysis that Biden is, is uh, outperforming Trump, but that wasn't hard to do in the beginning. Uh, now our mission must be to hold him accountable, uh, to make sure that we keep the pressure on uh, in order to achieve our aims. But furthermore, the, the analysis that I was speaking of that my father gave, he said that the office of the presidency is much like uh, the plantation. And he said that on the plantation, you, you, you had an overseer and the overseer's responsibility uh, was to make certain that he maintained the pressure on, on the slaves in the field in order to yield the crop that was, uh, that was desired. Uh, and he said, you know, early in, in the early days of slavery, that, that overseer was invariably white, right? Uh, and that overseer, you know, may have been brutal and, 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 you know, just, you know, weighing down on our people. And he said, you know, as the institution of enslavement continued, uh, often, sometimes that overseer became black. And he said, the reality is that whether your overseer was black or white, uh, maybe if you had a black overseer, maybe he didn't beat you quite as bad. Maybe he beat you worse. Uh, but no matter whether your overseer was black or white, uh, you were no more free. And the reality is that your problem was never with the overseer to begin with. Your problem was with the institution of slavery itself. Your problem was that you were a slave. And so when we look at this uh, nation, when we look at the office of the presidency, we have to realize the structural inequities, the structural failures. We have conversation about uh, criminal justice reform, not really taking into account the fact uh, that so much of the criminal justice system that we don't, uh, we don't favor and, and, and we despise is supported by economic structures. We teach our children that crime doesn't pay and the reality is crime pays very well. 
Uh, and we're not talking just about the prison industrial complex. We're not talking about the underground economy that we see. Uh, we're talking about the, the very in-your-face economy that we depend on each and every day. And if crime stopped tomorrow, our country would fail. Uh, we're talking about the fact that crime plays the lawyers. It pays the judges. Uh, it pays the police. And we have more police today than, than many of the panelists who are on this conversation uh, can remember in their lifetime. You have your city police and your county police and your state police and your federal police and your secret police and your secret police who watch the secret police, not to mention your probation and parole officers, uh, the companies that contract with our prisons to you know, not only provide commissary, but uh, to, to dictate when they get to use the phone and at what cost they are charging their family members to communicate with them and so on and so forth, right? And, and all of that depends on an over-incarceration of our society. All of that depends on the conflict that we see taking place in our communities. And until we get serious about that, we're not serious about a conversation about re-envisioning public safety uh, in its entirety. And so these are things that we have to continue to lift up. Uh, we have to continue to make sure that, that as we talk about resources, that the resources uh, are get to a place where the rubber meets the road, gets to a place where people who are most invested in, in the efficacy of, of whatever uh, we're trying to achieve or, or grow from, are able to put their hands on it, able to adopt and build the programs, able uh, to have some say so, not over, not only on, on you know, how their labor will, what the fruits of their labor will be. Uh, and so I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this conversation. Uh, it is these type of discussions that rejuvenate me. Uh, it is these type of discussions that remind me uh, that we, got com we have comrades all around this nation uh, that are digging in, that, that are focused, and, and, uh, and we have to concretize that energy. I think we have to continue to, to lift up and, and uh, instruct and, and encourage our young people uh, who have been at the forefront of this resistance, who have been at the forefront of what we have been seeing taking, taking place all around the country as we are standing up against uh, police misconduct and police brutality. Uh, and, and it is that uh, that, will, that will lead the next generation of, of, of brothers and sisters that will, that will push us further in this protracted struggle. I'm grateful right now, uh, and, and I thank you, Brother Ron. I, I want that picture as well, but I'm grateful uh, for, for Brother Amiri Baraka. I'm grateful for my father. I'm grateful for my mother, and I'm grateful for all my comrades that are on this phone. I'm sitting here listening to my sister in Kichi and, and thinking about uh, the children's book that she, she created years ago that my parents would read to me. I'm grateful uh, for her work in, in the book Reparations, Yes, that my father co-authored with her. Uh, and, and had that not taken place, had I not been exposed to that, then I wouldn't be prepared to stand here with you today. And so I congratulate you. I thank you for the work that y'all have done. I thank you for being uh, entrenched in this struggle. Uh, and we have to maintain uh, that same posture and stance going forward. Uh, and so right now, uh, the grade would, would be an incomplete. Uh, and partly that is because uh, all of the, the all of his, his uh, predecessors, uh, uh, have have fallen so woefully short of any mark that we find even uh, remotely, uh, you know, remotely beneficial to our people. And so uh, I'm grateful to be a part of this conversation. And that is the analysis I can offer at this time. Well, thank you so much. Let's give it up for our mayor. Let's give it up. And our mayor is. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word.
Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.